Good morning. Uh, if you don't know who is helping lead worship today, you need to be introduced to him. Uh, it's Harris King over there in a the purple shirt. And uh, we welcome Harris to True North and being a part of our worship team. And, uh, and I think you know everybody else over there. And if you, don't, if you don't know anybody in this church, just go welcome yourself to them. Say, hey, good to see you today. Uh, even if you didn't want to see him today, it's still good to see him, right? So make sure you tell him it's good to see you and to be a part. And, uh, I, you know, I was thinking about this, uh, praying. Um, this has been a, an extremely long week. And, um, you know, and, and I don't want to start on a sour note, but you need to know what's going on in our church. Last Sunday morning, um, incredible thing. Um, I felt like I was at the pinnacle of ministry to the depths of ministry uh, within a short time. It was, it was so incredible to have Coach Les Steckel, president of FCA, um, with us in our church. You have to understand, as an NFL coach, as a retired Marine, uh, to have Coach Steckel, who's been the, the president of, a, of the ministry of FCA, sort of my boss, maybe, I don't know. Uh, he's, if I need to be gone, he can get, me, get rid of me. Um, but to have him here in Northwest Ohio, you have to understand, as an NFL coach, he only hangs out in big cities and does, you know, goes and visits. He doesn't visit every FCA office. And as we drove all over uh, Fulton County, places and different things, um, you know, I, we'll see if that helps. Uh, I have to admit, as, as we talked and drove, he's it's like, wow, this is small town community. He's like, yeah. And uh, so he got welcomed to small town community being here in Wasion and the surrounding towns. And so it was awesome to have him here. And I know last week as he preached and, and delivered a message, he delivered an incredible message. And I know a lot of you were touched by it. I could see it in your eyes, in the comments made afterwards, and in the changed life. That was incredible. We went out to eat afterwards, and as we got ready to leave, and I was taking him back to Toledo, we got a phone call that we lost somebody. And um, most, all of you by now heard about the death of Michaela Smith, 17-year-old senior at Fayette, Bill and Sally Mapes' granddaughter. And if you know anything about Sally and Michaela, they always, when they came to church, they, you know, if I was in the school right now, they sat back there, okay? That's where Michaela always sat with Grandma. And we lost her. And, and, and it's so sad that a young life is gone. And this week has been a, an incredibly difficult week, ministering to the family, being with them every day um, over at the schools in Fayette. And um, through all that went on, you know, there's a lot of question as to why. And I'm going to tell you, at her, at her funeral, um, it was held at the Fayette Nazarene Church. And as I stood in, to deliver the message and saw a church full of people, Another room, Fellowship Hall full, and the other, it was close to 600 people there, and I'm going to say probably 400 of them were kids, eight, 17 to 21. I've never seen so many 4 by 4 trucks in my life. I said, I grew up on a farm, and I was always a part of the, part of the county fair, but I've never seen so many 4 by 4 trucks in my life. Because she went out to Fort County as well, and so a lot of her friends out of Fort County said they were going to all meet at Fort County with their trucks and drive, and I'm going to have to guess they had a caravan along, uh, over a mile long from Fort County driving all the way to Fayette. It's quite a sight to show that she was loved. And, um, and I guess I'm, I'm sitting here throughout the week thinking, um, in my experience in talking to Sally and Michaela and, and my knowledge of her and, 
And a lot of people are like, did she know Jesus? Did she know who Jesus Christ was? Is she in heaven? All kinds of questions pop up like that. And it made me step back and think, if anyone here today were to leave this planet, would I know your salvation? Would people around you be able to say, I know without a doubt, I know without a doubt that they're in heaven right now because they have proclaimed, they've confessed with their mouth and they believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Without a doubt, they're in heaven. I would know that about so-and-so, about this person, whoever it would be. Could we say that of our church? I hope so. To me, it was, a, it was another, you know, blowing of the trumpet, another call say, we got to know each other better. we got to love each other better. So we need to know where we stand when the end of time comes, whether it's the Lord's return or whether it's our death first. Whichever one happens, we're either going to heaven or hell. It's one of those two places. And my question is, do you know? Have you proclaimed it? Do I know that? Do I know you well enough? And even if I don't know you well enough, do the people around you know it well enough? So that when people come up and say, I wonder, what, no, let me tell you where they're at right now. Because I know without a shadow of a doubt, I know exactly where they're at. And so I was thinking more about that and, and, and what to share today. And, and um, as we come out here, I, I, I guess this is what I want you to hear, okay? Everyone matters. Everyone matters. Repeat after me. Everyone matters. I'm going to ask you to keep repeating, so just listen and repeat after me. For God so loved the world, that includes me. Oh, yeah, you got to repeat that. Let's do it again. That includes me. That he gave. One more time with an exclamation point. That he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. That whoever, that's me. Oh, good, you did it well with the exclamation point. Let's try it again. That's me. Believes. Believes in Jesus Christ. Will have eternal life. See, that's what we need to remember, John 3, 16. See, everyone matters because God so loved the world. That's you, that's me that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, whoever says, I place my faith in Jesus Christ, I surrender to Jesus Christ. When I say I surrender, I'm basically saying, I can't be in control of my life anymore because it's out of control. It gets crazy at times. Whether it's deadlines, bills, whether it's relationships, whether it's home, it's work, there's sometimes it's like, I have no idea what to do next. Out of control. So I need to surrender that to somebody to help me. I need somebody to be the Lord of my life. And God says, I'll be the Lord, but I also want to be the Savior of your life too. Because there is a heaven, there is a hell, and the only way to heaven, there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way, not all way. The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. That's scripture. That's not boasting. That's not a Christian walking around saying, oh, so you guys think you're the only way? I'm proclaiming truth. This isn't Rex's way. This isn't True North's way. This isn't the Christian way. This is God's way, the, the only way. Do you believe that? Do you know that? You need to because it's truth. 
You know, it's so good to go back to God's word and just read the simplest truth. God loves you. Sometimes we need to stop and just let that soak in, that God loves you. Why would somebody so young believe that nobody loves them or, or maybe they, they think they don't matter or they don't have value or, or why, who knows what's going on in their mind? Who knows what's going on in your mind right now as far as your value and your love? Uh, you need to know the truth. You are valued. You are loved by the God of this universe, the God who created this, this incredible scene right here loves you more than that. And if we were in Colorado right now and you'd see the Rocky Mountains and you'd see the streams, you'd say, whoa, that sort of beats the Gipes Pond just a little bit, okay? Just a little. Guess what? The God who created that loves you more than that. To me, that's incredible. And if that's what God thinks of me, of me, then I need to remember that's what he thinks of you as well. So when I talk to somebody on the phone and when I write a letter, when I send a text or whatever it is, when I bump into somebody, I need to look at them and say, man, God loves you. So am I treating you like the God of this universe wants to treat you? Or did I speak bad of them? Or did I ignore them? Or was I fearful of how they would think of me so I don't say anything because I don't want to look like a jerk when I talk to them? And all oh, these old perceptions we have, right? God gave up his one and only son, not just for me, but for you, for all of us. That's incredible. You're incredibly valued. You know, I was thinking, you know, these, these, little, these little children, you know, I was thinking, when, you, when they go to school and they make an art project and they get that art project and they leave the school and they're, like, they're so protective of it, right? They don't want it to break because I got to get that home to mommy because I made this for school, at school for mommy, and so I'm going to be very careful with it. I don't want anybody, and somebody bumps into them, you know, they're, they're very protective of it, right? Because it's so valuable to them that they want to give it to their mom, to somebody they love, right? That's sort of the way I picture God saying, man, I love you so much. I'm so protective right now. So I'm giving my son Jesus Christ to you, my most valuable treasure. That's what God did for us. It's an incredible thing. You know, if I had to have the kids come up here, I'm afraid it's a little too windy, so I'm a little worried about this. But if I, I might, we'll see how it works, okay? I got some right in front of me. Let's see if we can do this. You know, if that blew up right now, that would make a huge pop, wouldn't it? I won't do it. At least I hope not. Now, I'm going to play a fun game. Can I have some kids? I have about three, four kids down here. Anyway, just come on down. Just come on down. Oh, the, I knew the Ruples would get down here right away, okay? Now, I want you to do me a favor. Now, I want you to just sort of bat that around. Don't let it hit the ground. Don't let it hit the ground, okay? Keep at it. Oh, there's some good laughter going on. You see that? Hey, wait, pay attention over here because here comes another one. How come the Ruple boys always end up on top of each other? All right, keep it going. Now, we got two of them. Don't let, it, don't let it hit the ground. All right, we got another one coming down. Right here behind you, behind you. There you go, good, good. Okay, here comes another one. I got a third balloon. Ready? Here it goes. Ready? Keep it up in the air. Keep it. Oh, that one hit the ground already. Get it back up in the air. Okay. Nice. Bring it back down here. Come play with us. Keep, keep that one up off the ground. Keep bouncing it. Good job. Good job. Keep it up off the ground. Oh, hit the ground again. Oh, oh. Keep it up. Uh, that, that one's not staying up very well. Okay. All right. Good job. Okay. Come over here real quick. Come over here real quick. I'll take that one. Oop. I'll tell you what, where's your pocket? Stick in your pocket. 
Don't get that out until after church. After church, have fun. Matter of fact, after church, you can find me. I'll give you some more. Now, I need somebody else to help me. Okay. I need somebody to sit on these balloons and pop them. Oh, okay. Somebody can sit on that one. Pop it. Nice. Thank you. You guys can go have a seat. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Why did they pop the balloons? Because I wanted them to pop the balloons. Would you like a balloon after church? You come see me afterwards because I like your red hair because I used to have red hair when I was a kid. So you see me afterwards, I'll get you a balloon, okay? Nice. Good job. They did a great job. Thanks, kids. You know, here's what I want you to see with this, okay? You're supposed to keep that in your pocket till after church. I got my eyes on you, Rupal. Uh-huh, I know, that's true. Whoever said that, you're right. But here's, here's what I was thinking about. In, in, the, in the Bible... It says in Genesis that when God created the world, he spoke. God said, let there be, remember this? Let there be light. We always go to light first, don't we? I don't know why he's like, let there be light. We always step in the dark room and we try to be like God. Let there be light, okay. Nice try, only he's able, capable to do that. But then he said, let there be everything else. Everything was spoken, but he got the man. The incredible thing was God got down. It says, and God took the earth and formed a man. Can you imagine? I mean, everything else, God was speaking. But we read in Genesis chapter 2 that God formed man from the dirt. And then it said that God blew into his nostrils. God breathed into his nostrils, and man came to life. Everything else was what? Let there be water. There's water. Let there be sky, and there's sky. But when it came to man, God put his hands and formed, and then God breathed man. When God created, he inspired, he breathed, and man came into life. And then I think about this, and we don't really see those words too much more in the Bible. Matter of fact, you go to the New Testament, you don't see that anywhere except for one verse. Let me read that verse to you. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is God-breathed or inspired. It's useful to teach us for what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us what is right. All Scripture is God-breathed. Now, I had to look up that Greek word and see what it is in theonustros. And I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but pretty close to it. But it means this. God blows. God breathes. Nowhere else in the New Testament. Nowhere. So when I'm looking at the Old Testament and I say God breathed into man, he inspired man to be alive. And then I come over and I read in the New Testament that all scripture is God breathed and nowhere else is that used. So as a human being, I understand this. God gave me life. We know John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and give it abundantly, says Jesus, right? So God breathes and creates man, but then God says, you know what? You're going to try to motivate each other and inspire one another. You're going to have somebody come in and talk to that football team before the game and pump them up. Motivate me, motivate me, inspire me, right? We'll try our hardest. I try my hardest. Get a pastor up front of the church Sunday morning, try to inspire you and encourage you. I'll try, but you know what really inspires you? You know what really motivates you? God's Word. That's the only place in the New Testament. God's word. God breathes into his word. So whenever you pick up the Bible and read God's word, 
Guess what's happening? God's breathing into you. This is the air we breathe. This is the bread we need. When we were singing that song, and I didn't put two and two together, I saw the song was on the worship list. And then we, we opened, or we closed that song before we get to there, and I'm going, oh, this is the air we breathe. This is the bread we need. All scripture is God breathed. So when we open up our Bibles and we turn and we start reading, God just starts breathing into our lives and inspiring us. Last Sunday, I had like Psalm 100 and something ready to read to you when we started church. Probably don't remember this. Probably just like, you know, this is just another Sunday morning, right? Hey, we're at church. Whatever, okay? Well, as I'm standing up in front and I'm getting ready to come up and welcome you all and read a psalm to start the morning, all of a sudden as we're singing, I felt like a nudge, like God saying, no, I got a different scripture. So I grabbed my Bible as we're singing and I turned and Psalm 93 was right there. And it's, and it's like God said, read that. So I got in front of you last Sunday and I read this. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty. Indeed, the Lord is robed in majesty and armed with strength. The world is firmly established. It cannot be shaken. Your throne, O Lord, has been established from time immemorial. You yourself are from everlasting past. The mighty oceans have roared, O Lord. The mighty oceans roar like thunder. The mighty oceans roar as they pound the shore. But mightier than the violent raging of the seas, mightier than the breakers of the shore, the Lord above is mightier than these. Your decrees cannot be unchanged. The nature of your reign, O Lord, is holiness forever. And I was reading that to you, and then what did I say? Some of you are probably going to have your world shaken this week. The world is firmly established. It can't be shaken. But then it goes on to say that the mighty oceans roars and these ocean breakers come in and the shores come in crashing. But who's mightier than all those? The Lord. And I shared with you last Sunday, it's like, you know, and I didn't tell you this. I don't know why God laid this on my heart to read it, but I know I'm supposed to be reading this. That God is mightier than these. So as this week comes and life crashes into you, and life starts pounding you away, God's bigger than those. God will help you. And then you hear maybe a song on the radio, We Won't Be Shaken. Maybe you've heard that on K-Love. I love that song. And then after we got done reading scripture, worship team got up and they sang a couple songs. And in a couple songs, you remember, talked about being robed in majesty. And I'm going, <gasps> I just read that. You know why it was so cool and so incredible to me? Because it's God breathed. And sometimes when you read God's word, you're like, oh, wow, I needed to hear that. You know why? Because God was saying, you're, you're gasping for air right now. You have nothing in you. So here, let me into you. He does that with his word. There's a reason why I get up in front every Sunday and say, open your Bibles. Because we need to be inspired, not by Pastor Rex, not by Speaker Joe Schmo, whoever, okay, but by God's word. Because God's words bring truth. So why did I have these kids blow up these balloons? Because here's the deal. Did you see how much fun they had playing with the balloon that was full of air? Okay, they were over here like, woo, ha, 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 jump on each other too. I mean, that kind of stuff happens, right? Okay, where's Ian at? Where's he at? Pointing this way. There he is, Okay. And then I gave him the, you know, the deflated balloon. And he's like, oh, okay, well, that's no fun. And I said, oh, keep at it. He's like, okay, uh. 
Ooh, a lot, of, a lot of fun here. So much more fun when this is full of air, right? I want you to picture this being your spouse, your child, your coworker, somebody next to you today, okay? You have the power to do or sort of be like God's agent in their life to say, hey, you know what? I love spending time with you. Oh, you know what? You look great today. Hey, when you helped me out doing that chore the other day, that really helped me by taking out the garbage. You're a great worker. Good job on your grades at school. I know it's not an A, but man, you worked hard for that C. That's okay. Good job. Do you see what happens when we breathe, as God breathes into us through his word, we are filled to be able what? To breathe into others and to encourage others. But what happens is typically this. Oh, man, you got a C? Ah, that's horrible. You, you, you got to work harder. Hey, didn't I tell you, you never listen to me. Just as we encourage people and we inflate people, we have the same power to deflate people. That's amazing to me to think about how God says, I love you, I'm breathing into you, I'm giving you word. Now take that, breathe into others. So as a church, this is what I wanted to share with you this morning. I want to encourage you to go out. Remember the value that God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. And that we need to place our faith in him. And the person sitting next to you may not have done that. The person next to you may have done that. Regardless of whether they believe in God or not in his son, Jesus Christ, as a believer in Christ, I need, I need to remind them how loved they are, how valued they are. And do I blow it with my kids? Oh, yeah. Man, the other day, hey, man, this, da, 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 blowing into my kids. Then yesterday, it was, it was, okay, right? And I apologize to them because I'm human like you. And I realized after our discussion with the kids, it's like, that can't happen, God. Wednesday, I'm standing over a casket of a 17-year-old looking at a young life saying, why? I don't want my 17-year-old there. You know, and then two hours later, I'm, we're having a blessing ceremony with Colin and presenting him with words from God and presenting him uh, with a special ceremony and there are different men there to pray with him. And we were just, man, we were inflated. He had like a hot air balloon that night, okay? It was pretty cool. Um, and I'm sitting there going, did anybody breathe life into this young lady? Do we as a church do that? We, we can do this, okay? And, and we don't do this to get a pat on the back. We don't do this to get ourselves into heaven because it's very clear in Scripture, you know, how we get to heaven. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's for by grace you have been saved. Not your works. I can't work my way into heaven. I can't be kind to somebody and say nice things. You know, even though Ephesians 4.20 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is for the edified and the building up another person. I mean, Paul says it right there. Hey, 
quit having junk come out of your mouth. Make sure it's building people up. Okay, will that get me to heaven? No, but that's how I'm supposed to live. Because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says it's by God's grace. Grace is getting something we don't deserve. Romans 3 says this, as the scriptures say, no one is right, righteous, not even one. Wasn't I good enough? No. But I did all these things. Not good enough. I mean, seriously, how do you get into heaven? How do you know when you've reached enough goods? I've done enough right things. We don't know. We don't know. All have turned away. All become useless. No one does good. Not a single one. It goes on to say, obviously the law applies to those whom it's been given for its purpose to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. No one can ever be made right with God by doing the law. Very clear, isn't it? The law simply shows us how sinful we are. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him and keep the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses. Listen to this, verse 22 of Romans chapter 3. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. But you don't know how young or how old I am, my background, my, my past, my present, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Yet God, with undeserved kindness, that's grace, declares that we're righteous. He did it through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus Christ as a sacrifice for our sins. Remember that cross? And people are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in past times. Scripture makes it very clear that what, how we get right with God by placing our faith in Him and what He did for us, not in what we do. So family, friends, those of you who are visiting, let me say this to you. Today is the day of salvation. Today I want to encourage you to surrender your life to Jesus Christ if you haven't. It's this, understanding this, God loves you. and God wants a relationship with you. But we're not good enough. We're not holy enough to have that relationship with him. And there's sin that separates us from him. So we have to confess. We have to admit that we've blown it, that we're not good enough. And surrender our life to him. Say, God, here's the keys to my life. Take control because I can't do it. Be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you, raised, you, ro- you rose from the dead for me. Pray that prayer. Surrender your life. And if you've already done that, then I want to encourage you. Take what you know from God's word. Every day, let him breathe into you. And then you take that and you start breathing into everybody else God's word. Encourage them. Love them. That's not what gets you to heaven. That's because of the fact that God loves you and you're going to spend eternity with him. Now, out of a changed heart, you're going to start living in a way that honors him. Amen? You're about ready to see a few people that have said, you know what? I've made that decision in my life. They're going to get baptized. They understand this. They know according to the scriptures that when they go into that water, that's not going to change them. What they're doing is very biblical and saying, Jesus Christ himself was baptized. 
See, when Jesus was alive, he was then buried, and then he rose again. So when they go in the water, symbolically, they're doing what Christ did as they went down under the waters and come back out. And Christ came up new. And so as they're doing it, they're sort of doing what Jesus did symbolically, and Jesus himself was baptized. And then Jesus commanded for us to be baptized. And when we do that, what they're going to do then is publicly profess to all of you, hey, everybody, I'm new in Christ. I'm forgiven by the Lord of this universe. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's son. That's what they're doing. They're publicly professing that by doing what Jesus commanded and following his example. If you're out here today, and here's the deal, I'm going to pray in a little bit. We're going to take communion. Worship team, they're going to sing a song. Jesus Christ came to our rescue. And as a family, as individuals, you go to the table and you grab communion and grab a cup, grab a piece of bread. And I'm going to pray before we do this. But you take communion and come back to wherever you are. Remain standing while we continue to sing. And when we're done singing, we're going to celebrate with those being baptized. Now, there's a few individuals up here getting baptized, but if you're out here right now and you're saying, you know what? That's me. I've, I've never, never asked Jesus into my life. I've always thought, I just got to be good enough. Or, hey, my aunt and uncle or my grandma and grandpa, they were Christians, so I'm in too, right? Getting in on the family plan. Uh-uh. You make the choice to accept or reject God. God doesn't ever reject you. It's your choice to accept or reject that relationship. And if you're sitting here and say, today, I want to pray that prayer. I want to ask Christ into my life. I want to place my faith in him, and I want to get baptized. I'm not dressed for the occasion, but I want to get in there with everybody else. I want everybody to know, go for it. I will not turn you away. Matter of fact, we will rejoice with you. We might have some wet eyes out here because of that, because that's how God moves. So if God's speaking to you and you want to hop in, just stand up there with the rest of us, and you can share and go right in and do what Christ did. What a cool thing that would be. Would you please, worship team, would you go ahead and prepare yourself? As we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, we also called communion, we know that it was instituted by Jesus Christ the night that he was betrayed and he was with his disciples. It's a center of uh, fellowship. It's a coming together. And when he took the wine, the juice, and he took the bread, he said this. As they're eating, Jesus took some bread and he blessed it. And he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, take, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. And he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It's poured out as a sacrifice for many. Jesus said, my body's about ready to become a sacrifice for you. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave, right? He sacrificed. So every time we take communion, we take that cup of juice and we take that bread, we remember that his blood was shed for us and that his body was broken for us. It was a sacrifice he gave for us. So when we take that, we take it with very humble hearts to say, he did this for me. As a believer in Jesus Christ, we take it. So I invite you, if you've placed your faith in Christ, we welcome you to the table of communion to symbolically do what the disciples did 2,000 years ago. You talk about D90X and being a disciple of Christ, 
when you take communion, you're being just like the disciples and honoring a Savior that loves you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your gift to us. We thank you that today we are able to come and worship you outside like this. Because, Lord, we know in some countries, in third world countries, people get thrown in prison for doing this. People get tortured for doing this. They're persecuted for this. We have the incredible freedom to drive out to somebody's house who's generously said, use our yard, use our pond. We have to come together as a church family, friends, some of us strangers. We don't know everybody here. But we get to be unified by one thing, and that is you. Lord, we're going to come now together as a family to the table to remember the sacrifice that you paid on the cross for us. Lord, there might be some people here today who said, but I've never, I've never surrendered. I've never said any prayer. I've never asked God to forgive me. Now's the time. If there's anyone here this morning all heads bowed, all eyes closed. If there's anyone here this morning that says, you know what, that's me. God's been tugging on your heart. Right now's the time. Go ahead. Just go ahead and quietly pray to God. Thank Him for loving you. Go ahead. Admit to Him that you've messed up. You've made mistakes. Ask Him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your life and just clean out your heart to give you new peace, to give you new direction and new hope in your life. It says in God's word that when we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are saved. So Lord, this morning, if there's anyone here that's just asked for forgiveness, I just said, I, I place my faith in you. I trust you to be the Lord of my life. Then hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because they are new. As believers, as those who have placed their faith, Lord, we're going to take communion. Lord, we come to this time of taking communion very humbled, very honored that we're going to remember what you did for us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for that gift that we could have eternal life with you in heaven. So Lord, we humbly, thankfully, and graciously come to you now to take communion. We love you, Father. In thy name we pray, amen.